Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily Milwaukee Bucks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me as always is my good friend Frank Madden. And today's episode is brought to you by our good friends at SeatGeek. And you can use our promo code L-O-B-U-C-K-S. Again, that's our, our trusty promo code. It's been there forever. Hopefully you've used it. But if you haven't, it still is L-O-B-U-C-K-S. Again, L-O-Bucks for Lockdown Bucks. And that'll get you a $20 rebate off your first SeatGeek purchase. And Frank, this is kind of an interesting time uh, just because I, I feel like there's always something on my mind when it comes to the Bucks. And like, I just feel like this time of the year, your brain can like go in so many different directions because it'll be like, oh, I'm watching this playoff game. And this playoff game made me think of something that the Bucks do or don't do or, or whatever it may be. Uh, and you just kind of go there for a little bit. And then all of a sudden you see an ad during the, the Celtics game tonight and Oh, the draft combine is tomorrow. And then your head goes there a little bit and you try to think, okay, what prospects should I be thinking about? What should I be doing there? And then we talk a little bit and then I go look at contract information. And then that, like, there's just a million different directions that my brain can go. Um, so to me, like, it's a really interesting time, even though there's kind of nothing essentially going on for the Bucks. I know there'll be draft workouts in the coming weeks and stuff like that, but uh, I don't know. It's just just a weird time because there's not one thing that your brain has to focus in on. Like, there's not a game every other day for me to be like, okay, let's break down this game. Uh, let's preview this next one. Like, my brain is just kind of free to go in whatever direction it wants. Free your mind, Eric. Free your mind. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think I'm used to sort of the calendar, the, the like the draft calendar, just sort of dominating my, my brain in in May, June. And I, I think it says a lot about sort of the way I think maybe Bucks fans' um, view of, of the April-May time period is shifting because I, I didn't even realize the combine was starting today until I flip, was flipping on through Twitter comments this morning and it was like, oh, combine. Um, <laughs> and, you know, uh, in previous years, typically I just sort of live and die by figuring out, you know, who, who the Bucks talk to, like, you know, our verticals out yet, like, you know, like the measurements, you know, kind of officially at blah, blah, blah. Um, and I'm sure I'll get into that and we'll kind of dig through that this weekend probably. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's different. I mean, being in the playoffs and actually sort of entertaining the possibility that you, the team you, you follow might actually you know, be competitive and actually have a chance to advance, it, it definitely does sort of shift your priorities. And I mean, we've obviously been talking a lot about, you know, the current roster and what needs to happen to continue sort of the trajectory of improvement the team um, has been on. And um, we'll talk, we can talk a little bit about that. And I think also, I mean, looking at the rosters of the rest of the teams in the East in particular, and then thinking about, you know, okay, well, 
Raptors looked like garbage against the Cavs after the Raptors sort of took it to the Bucks the last few games of their series. You know, what, what does this say about sort of how the Bucks potentially stack up in the East? We can maybe talk about that a little bit, but uh, in in a, in a few minutes. But um, I, I don't know with the combine. What, what's where's kind of your mindset? I'm I feel like I'm. I'm, I've identified some names of people that I'm trying to learn more about, but I am not yet at this point of actually having legitimate opinions that I can, you know, go and, and tell our listeners like, oh, this guy, look out for this guy. I like this guy. Um, I really don't know who I'm supposed to like yet, um, but hopefully this this combine will help help sort of narrow some of that, that stuff down a little bit. I think where it starts is knowing that I think the Bucks need some help at point guard. I think that they could use an upgrade from Brogdon and Delhi, and especially in the speed department, just having a guy that's fleet of foot would be really helpful. And knowing that there's, well, five of those guys that are pretty much that type of description, whether they're big and tall, uh, like Lonzo Ball, or uh, they're very quick and young and John Wall fast, I believe some people have called De'Aaron Fox, or they're Dennis Smith, who is much hyped when he came in, or Frank Nilakina, I hope I got that one right, who's uh, again one of those international men of mystery um, playing over in Germany right now, and you just kind of I guess for me, it's sad knowing that that is kind of the thing that I think I would be very much interested in for the Milwaukee Bucks, but all five of those guys are, if not top 10 picks, at least lottery picks. Like, I don't think any of those five are falling out of there. At least the, I I don't know the last time I saw a mock where one of them was falling out of the lottery. Um, so I guess that's kind of where my brain starts and Obviously, the next question is, well, why don't the Bucks trade up and go get one of them? And my quick retort would be, well, you need assets to to move up in a draft. And, and unless the Bucks are moving next year's first rounder, I struggle to see the way that they move from seventeen to the top ten. Um, just because, uh, I again, we've talked about it before. I don't think the Bucks have a lot of assets that they feel comfortable moving. Um, so. That's my first thought with the draft, and then kind of once that sinks in that, oh, the things that I want aren't going to be there, because uh, the Bucks won't be picking in the top 10, all of a sudden I look at, I don't know, 11 through 20, 25 in that draft, and see a number of guys that could be interesting, um, that might fit that I don't I don't really know like I, I think there's a there's a lot of interesting guys in there none of which or maybe one of which uh if you're willing to think Juwan Evans could sneak into the top 20 um would be a point guard and the rest kind of all wing guys or big guys so it's kind of an interesting spot and yeah I think I, I'm okay with with kind of zero or not zeroing in but wanting to know more about a couple guys um, in that area. And you mentioned you have some, so do we want to go every other on this? Sure. Why okay. don't you start? All right. Um, I'm, man, I, I'm going to murder names, but I feel bad. But OG Anunobi, um, who is the Indiana sophomore who ended up getting hurt midway through the season. Um, earlier this week, I think it was Charks. I can't remember which guy at the ringer was, if it was Charks or if it was... Um, Kevin O'Connor wrote something about how uh, he could be a guy that 
I think, I think it was Char- Charks was talking about him being being like a small ball setter or something like that correct. when he's like correct. a six eight small forward I think in college. Um, but yeah, yes. that's I guess, yeah. yeah that uh, so that's uh, yeah that was the article I was referencing where Charks wrote about him and uh, that's an interesting thought. I don't know if NBA GMs are quite uh, a thinking on that level. And also, can we can we just stop? saying anyone's going to be the next Draymond Green. Like, I, I think... I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm good stopping that. Like, I think it's so offensive to call someone the next Draymond Green with all of the things that I think Draymond Green does that are really special. Like, no one handles that... Uh, I don't even know what to call it, like an odd man rush, where it's he gets the ball in the middle, and then it's a three-on-two, a four-on-three, whatever it is. Like No one in the league handles that spot, that decision-making, better than Draymond Green. Like No one is quite the passer, and I, sometimes, obviously, he sh- struggles with the shot, but no one is attacking that way. No one's making the passes he does. Like He's just so good in that spot. And then, on top of that, the fact that you can't take him one-on-one on the post... He's an incredible team defender. He doesn't make mistakes uh, rotating defensively. Like, he's just so freaking good. And I I don't ever really want to say that there's going to be another Draymond Green because he's just one of those guys that's so unique that, sure, there could be parts of Draymond Green that's that you could find in another player, but there's not another Draymond Green. Like, so... I didn't love maybe the premise of that article um, the saying that Anunobi or I think is what Jonathan Isaac uh, from Florida State could be the next Draymond Green, the next guy that teams would shift down for. Because one, I'm not sure teams are willing to do that as as much of a full-time basis as the Warriors do because um, they go to that look a lot. And two, I, don't, I just don't know if there's other dudes built like that mentally, physically, emotionally, um, I don't even know what other spiritually, whatever else you want to say about Draymond, because he's like Draymond's a different dude, like he just is. Um, but either way, Anunoby, exciting to me. He's kind of one of those guys that I think could be positionless, that you could do a lot of switching, that he could be someone that just has that Bucks identity in him, um, where he can do all those different things. Um, and I think he's someone that would have been a for sure lottery pick uh, without the injury. And now he has the injury and some people will put him low lottery. Some people will put him a little bit lower because of uh, obviously the injury. So there's going to be a lot of medical things that need to get done with him to see where he is and what you believe he can be still. Um, but he's someone that interests me. How about you? Yeah. I mean, Anunoby is certainly interesting. I mean, the fact that like people are debating whether he's a, you know, a lockdown wing or a small ball center. I mean, probably, speaks highly of him and also just of sort of what a weird time we are uh, in the league at what a weird point we are in the league right now. That's very true. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, he's, it's hard cause there just isn't, you know, as much as he's, he's just played two years in college. I mean, he shot 70% from two point range last year before uh, hurting his knee. Um, you know, 37% from three on just a t- you know, 74 threes in college only shot 52% from the line though. Um, just really hard to kind of figure out, what, what sort of he is both in a good and bad way yeah um but he's definitely an interesting guy um oh by the way i'm gonna i'm gonna offer a quick correction here uh frank nilakina plays in in france strasbourg is uh on near the german border but it is oh it is, that's uh, my mistake frank yeah you knew i i had to i had to jump in there with uh, <laughs> german germany related uh uh thing but um 
but yeah, so um, uh, Ananobi's really interesting. I mean, interesting. I think I think um, Charks had him like fourth on his board, and I think O'Connor had him tenth. Draft Express has him, I believe, fourteenth. Mm-hmm. So you know, closer to uh, to the Bucks range at seventeen. Um, if I was gonna pick uh, a guy, I'll start with. So he, here's what's gonna happen. All right, and I am not at the point again where I'm gonna try to tell you who you should like in this draft, but I would love it if by you know force of uh just just looking at these things that i came to the conclusion that a you know point guard or combo guard or maybe shooting guard was the best pick for the bucks at 17 that would be really convenient because as we said the backcourt is the place of you know the area of weakness for the bucks and so i don't know when i zoom around um they've got neil akina at draft express at i think um, what do I have in the top 10? Yeah, they have him at number 10. So I'm, I, I, you know, it's a stretch to say that the, 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 the guy like him will slide. But who's kind of the closest pseudo-ish, point guard-ish type player? I guess Donovan Mitchell from from uh, from Louisville, sophomore. He's 6'3". He's athletic. He isn't really a point guard by any stretch at this point. Mm-hmm. But, um, again, maybe has some athletic tools to work with. And I don't know. Um, I'm curious to see if you know where where his stock goes. If, if he's a guy that maybe ends up in the mix for the Bucks, he could be awful. I haven't seen any real projection models yet. I'm curious to see how these guys look through that lens as well, sort of from an advanced metrics perspective. Um, but you know, if I'm trying to uh, you know ram a potential square peg into my round hole of Bucks point guard needs, um, <laughs> sort of the the closest guy who's you know behind or outside, you know, the, the top 17 that, that maybe I could, um, that, you know, you might be able to talk yourself into. So curious what happens to him. 35% three point shooter last year. So, you know, okay. Um, 81% from the foul line. So that's, that's, that's certainly solid. So at least would have the potential to be a decent shooter, but certainly not a guy that you'd look at and say, Oh, he's, you know, a knockdown guy or, you know, a po- certainly not a polished point guard type prospect. Okay. While we're there, um, let's just do it. Let's throw Juwan Evans into the mix. Um, I don't, again, with, with his size, he's a sophomore and he's, I think he might almost, I think he might be 21 by the start of the upcoming season. Um, but he's a smaller guy, six one with a six, four wingspan. Um, and, the reason I would throw him in there is because there. I'm trying to. I, I was ch- telling you this before we started recording, but there was a stretch of games where Oklahoma State was kind of surprising some people and being in games that they shouldn't have been in, and it got to a point where someone's like, "Oh man, you gotta see Juwan Evans play." I don't even know who tweeted out, but someone's like, "Oh, he's like Chris Paul light," and. As a great fan and admirer of the point god, um, yeah, I was I was gonna tune in, and yeah, Oklahoma State just ran pick and roll after pick and roll after pick and roll, and Evans Evans pick and roll capabilities are to me I thought super advanced. Like he's snaking pick and rolls, he's letting guys flip the screens, uh, he's setting up re screens, he he's able to put someone on his back. Uh, and just hold him there and then make plays out of it just like Chris Paul would. And it, it just all looked so advanced to me. And you said you were listening to a couple draft pods this week, and they pointed out that, oh, Oklahoma State had the best offense in the country. Um, and taking a look at the Ken Palm numbers, yeah, their adjusted O is 
number one in the country. And this is a team that's that went 20 and 13 in the Big 12. I think they ended up being like a 10 seed in the tournament. So like this wasn't a team that was stacked with talent. Uh, this was a team that purely went through Jawan Evans and was great offensively because of what he was doing. And just from a, a raw numbers, 19 points, 6.5 assists, 3.4 rebounds per game. So he, he was just in control. And uh, yeah, at the at the college level, again, I think I maybe watched two or three full Oklahoma State games just on the premise that, oh, there's someone that may look like Chris Paul in this game. I should take a look at this guy. Um, and yeah, he's, he's super advanced, but I think you'd have major concerns about his body, if he could hold up, um, if he's big enough, all of those all those things that go along with it. So um, again, he might be the biggest reach that we're even going to talk about in this group, but you already went to one guy trying to jam into the, the Bucks point guard uh, spot that both of us, I think, probably circle is the Bucks' biggest need so you know what I figured I'd go there right away yeah it was interesting I mean I saw I think I think on DX I was listening looking at just sort of the the base info and they have them listed at 6'1 177 sort of as the official measurement just on the top of the page and then I was watching some video of him and I just thought man he looks small like he just he just looks like when the ball comes out of his hand when he shoots floaters he just looks Man, Small. when I just read the six one uh, height and one seventy seven weight, I was like, "BS, no way!" Like, like well, I, and again, like uh, I don't know where those measurements would be from, and it, it could just be that he plays smaller. But man, when I watched him play, I did not feel like he was six one. Well, and the funny part is, then you go to his measurements. So these are measurements from various sources that DX you know keeps track of. Nike Basketball Academy twenty sixteen height with shoes five eleven and a half. 188 6'4 wingspan well you'd say the wingspan is, is at least he's he's a plus wingspan guy by a fair bit but like where like i'm looking at all the different measurements he's never he's never measured above six even yeah in shoes and so it looks like i don't know like it, maybe it's just the oklahoma state measurement or something like that they just like charitably yeah. listed him at six one you know that just happens yeah um so that makes more sense to me that he's basically like a barely six foot type guy although listed at 188 last year at nike basketball at usa basketball 195 two years ago so um so he does seem to have a a a bit more strength on him than maybe you know like like i always think back last year i had zero interest in tyler ulis because he weighed 149 pounds at the pre-draft combine yeah you know he he measured 510 and i've been virulently anti little guys ever since brandon jennings left town i just I just started, I, I don't know, I, the Jennings experience, I just looked at those guys and, you know, Chris Paul notwithstanding, it, it's just... You gotta, you gotta be pretty special. You can't be, you, yeah, you, it's so hard to be an elite point guard. I mean, who am I missing? Who's an elite point guard who is, you know, other than like there's Isaiah Thomas, who's just a complete freak, you know, and he, even smaller, right? Um, and then there's Chris Paul. And then is there anybody else who's in sort of that you know, all NBA ish type type no, discussion who's, who's who's not six three or taller, right? I mean Westbrook, yeah. Curry, Wall, um, you know, kind of the list goes on. It's just it's just really hard to be that small and be an impact player. And I think we're seeing it as well too. Defensively, you know, when you're when you're short like that, um, the league just, you know, hunts mismatches, right? It's not just Jason Kidd. I mean, people, you know, will try to isolate you and and switch you and and get you in positions that you don't like to be in and the bucks obviously we haven't seen the bucks 
in that kind of position much because certainly in the Jason Kidd era, the Bucks have you know typically had bigger point guards, whether it was you know Brandon Knight, MCW, Kendall Marshall, um, you know even Jared Bayless was I think six three. Um, short arms, but six three, and obviously this year with with Delhi and Brogdon, you had you know relatively big point guards. So um, so yeah, it's it's kind of uncharted territory even to begin to think about a a sub six foot point guard. Um, and and I don't know how I feel about it. But uh, again, you know the fact that you do this is this is just a list guards, to to that's find true. out we're, more we're, about. We, we're, we're, we're not we're just committing to, to anyone. Right, we're doing. We're trying to get our due diligence list. So, <laughs> Jawan Evans is on it. Um, he he also was a decent three point shooter. Apparently, a bad guy at the rim. Probably not surprising given his size, but definitely an intriguing guy, high assist guy. And as you said, um, you know the fact that his he led his team to terrific offensive numbers uh, is definitely an encouraging thing. Um, are you up now, or am I up? I forget. You are. Am up. I up? Okay. Um. Another guy that I am I am interested in finding out more about, um, Terrence Ferguson, the shooting guard, uh, American shooting guard, played in Australia last year, of all places, uh, did very little in Australia. Um, I mean, he played 15 minutes a game. He shot 31% from three. Uh, but, but, you know, his advanced metrics in Australia were terrible. But, you know, again, he's playing in you know, a professional league against men far from home, et cetera, et cetera. Um, he's six, seven, he's supposedly athletic. I was listening to them, listening to some discussions of him and, you know, like all he is, he's basically, he, he would be just like a three and D type prospect, which, you know, is fine. He's 19 years old. Um, six, seven height, six, nine and a half wingspan. Uh, I don't know when I was here listening to people describe him, it sounded like people were describing like a Terrence Ross type player. Um, which, you know, obviously in the modern NBA is, is, you know, especially if it's Terrence Ross playing against, as he does against the Bucks usually, um, that would be a, a pretty damn good player. Um, but I, I don't know. It's just, it's just weird because he's a really young guy. Um, you know, he's got kind of the, the American gone abroad uh, at 19. So, you know, sh- I mean, shades of Brandon Jennings in terms of going abroad and then not playing very well. But, you know, what does that even mean? Um, but he's a guy that I think is interesting and, um, you know, we'll, we'll, Inevitably considered a mystery man, probably regardless. But he's a guy that I would be curious, given you know supposedly his his sort of athletic tools and the fact that you know people do think he might be able to shoot a bit or project to shoot a bit. Um, you know, hey, you can't have enough wings who can shoot, right? No, no, you cannot. Uh, and obviously, the Bucks need kind of as many of them as possible. And if you get some of those for cheap, that means you don't have to pay quite as much for for a guy like Tony Snell. And speaking of not having to pay as much as you may need to, our good friends at SeatGeek are promoting today's podcast. Um, obviously, we tell you about the promo code all the time, but uh, maybe we don't tell you enough about all of the different things you can go see with SeatGeek. And I, I just opened up the page, and obviously um, it already has my preferences in there, and same thing with the app. And the first couple things list- listed are Summerfest and the U.S. Open. And uh, those are kind of summer things in Milwaukee this year. Uh, so it's kind of exciting that you can get summer te- summer fest tickets, and then you can always get concert tickets and stuff like that on SeatGeek. And the U.S. Open, like that is it's crazy. A, a major in the state of Wisconsin, over at Aaron Hills, uh, that, that should be really awesome. Um, I know I went to the PGA Championship at Whistling Straits uh, when I was I don't even know young i don't know what year it was um and that was a lot of fun and 
yeah, they have tickets for that on SeatGeek, and they're going to get you the best price for those seats. Uh, they're going to get you the best price for those concerts, that golf event. They will find you the best seats because they have all the algorithms that they need to show you the great deals, the good deals, the bad deals, and grade them all for you, let you know. They go to the other websites, they find the best deals, and then they put them all together for you, either on at SeatGeek.com or on the app. And Again, if you want to use the promo code LOBUCKS, all you have to do is download the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, select add a promo code, add promo code LOBUCKS, again that's LOBUCKS, on your very first purchase, that'll get you a $20 rebate. So all you have to do is enter in that promo code and you'll get a $20 rebate on your first SeatGeek purchase. And that promo code again is L-O-B-U-C-K-S. Again, L-O-Bucks. So Frank, let's do, do we each do two already? I'm trying to think. I think we each got two. Um, One more piece and then we can maybe talk about where we see the bucks going forward. Does that sound okay? Okay, um, I'm man. I, this is this. I'm this going to feel dirty saying, but I think <laughs> Luke Kennard. Like you have to think about a white Duke player, which again is never really uh, my ideal uh, prospect type. Um, if I'm going to do some profiling here, which I most certainly am, um, so a, a white Dukey, not normally the type of guy. Um, I would think to go after, um, but Kennard 6'6", uh, does a lot of scoring, a knockdown shooter, um, and when you listen to John Hammond, shooting was kind of, again, the, the big priority this summer, as it pretty much is every summer uh, with this squad as currently constituted. So, um, Luke Kennard, again, I don't feel great about it, but I would say that's probably the best shooter in the draft. I'm trying to think. Um, or at least the best shooter non-top 10, because uh, I think Malik Monk will go before uh, the top 10 and the Bucks would have a chance at him. So of those guys in that next range, I would say that's probably your best shooter. And for that reason, I at least have to do some due diligence on him to hopefully totally eliminate him from any um, power rankings I may have in my own mind. Um, but I, I do need to check him out. Yeah. I mean, you've got all the, the, he ticks all the boxes in like, you know, hateable guy that fans will not really want to see their team draft. He's not a super high upside guy. Cause he's not, you know, doesn't have that sort of like athletic um, long frame. He has a negative wingspan. Uh, he's a white guy who went to Duke. He has like a receding hairline. I mean, there's just there's just a lot to dislike. There's him so the much prospect. to dislike. Um, he's almost 21. I mean, you know, geez. I mean, what you know? He's from Ohio. I mean, good. I mean, come on. But uh, as you said, I mean, 44% three point shooting, 86% from the line. Um, he he just kind of improved at everything last year. Uh, he played as a freshman. Um, you know, he was a good, um, a highly touted prospect, as most Duke guys tend to be. Um, but he improved so much from his freshman to sophomore campaign. And, you know, he's just kind of one of those guys who just knows how to play basketball and, and um, can, you know, obviously the shooting's there and, he, and he's able to do kind of the rest of, of, of the game of basketball well enough that uh, he was obviously a, a star caliber player at the collegiate level, almost 20 points a game, 53% on twos. Uh, like I said, 44% on threes. 
I mean, it seems like, yeah, he, he is going to be an NBA player. Um, how he fits in, I, I don't know. Um, I, I'll be curious to read more and just sort of understand, you know, defensively. Um, I think that's usually with, with a guy like him. Um, how he, Maybe with uh, Duke guys in general. I think that's that can be a concern. Like A lot of Duke guys, or at least the guys that have been high-talent Duke guys that have come out of the draft, well, not... Not so, not so great on the defensive end. Yeah, I mean, it depends, right? I mean, uh, you know, you got you, for every Justice Winslow, I get, you, I guess, you have more Luke Kennards, right? Um, guys who aren't as toolsy. Yes. Julia Okafor, <laughs> maybe a more prominent example. Kyrie of, Irving. Uh, Kyrie Irving. The guy on the Bucks that I'm not going to say because I don't want people to be mad at me. Don't say it. Um, so, so yeah. So anyway, he he's definitely kind of an interesting guy. Um, if I'm going to name another guy. Um, do I only have one more guy? Is that right? You're, you're only going to let me name one more guy. Um, who do I want to name? You can you can name one more guy and describe him, and then just name one more guy after that. Because okay. I because I have one more guy I want to name. So you know this guy, I, I kind of it's interesting. I mean, I saw a bit of him during the college season, and I was surprised that he was getting hype as a potential lottery pick, and that's Justin Jackson from UNC. And he's interesting in DX. An old guy? Yeah, he's 22, over 22 years old. I'm not saying I want to draft him. I actually just, I just think he's an interesting guy to talk yeah. about because um, he's three years older than Terrence Ferguson. They have very similar physical profiles. Jackson, 6'8", 6'11", wingspan. Um, but Jackson's so interesting because he didn't shoot well at all before this year, really. And then this year he became, you know, a pretty good shooter in college from three. Um Average 18 points a game, 37% on threes on seven attempts. So high volume, not like super high accuracy, but, you know, above average, I'd say. Uh, 75% from the line. Didn't get to the free throw line necessarily that much. Doesn't really do much in terms of steals and blocks. 2.8 assists, pretty good for for a wing. Obviously, he's not like a guy you'd look at as a as a playmaker. Um, and has, you know, again, some, some good defensive tools. Uh, but it's interesting because he's one of those guys that I think a year ago, like, no, I mean, a year ago, I'd be like, geez, like, you know, this guy is nowhere close to, to being, you know, he was 29% from three as a sophomore, 30% as a, as a freshman, um, not a great free throw shooter either of the year. And then this year he was just much better on, you know, all jumpers, catch and shoot, spot ups, everything went way up. And so I think it's an interesting question. It's like, you know, are we reaching on a guy who's older and, you know, uh, he's just sort of like, you know, you're looking for 3-and-D wings. And so a guy who maybe, um, I don't know how legit he is in, in that category. Like, is he going to be a guy that actually shoots 38 39% from three in the pros? Or is he going to be a guy that's like a 32% three-point shooter, right? And that's a huge difference if your main skill set is supposed to be as a 3-and-D guy. So I, I don't think actually Justin Gashin is a guy I particularly love that much because he is an older prospect. And he really didn't show much in the area, you know, in that that and that shooting department, which is theoretically his, I guess, his main calling card as an offensive player. Um, but I am curious to see how his stock fluctuates, and um, I will be curious to see just how he projects as well uh, in some of the models. My my guess is he won't project very well, um, but I'll be interested to see if uh, a team like the Bucks is linked with him. And um, again, a guy who uh, you know doesn't necessarily feel like. Uh, an obvious need as like a future starter, but 
especially with Tony Snell entering free agency, you know, potential kind of Tony Snell insurance if, uh, if for some reason he wasn't brought back. All right, my last guy that I want to mention, this is, he's a prospect I loved last year. Um, I was definitely hoping the Bucks would take him at 10, uh, and then he decided not to stay in the draft. Um, it is Ivan Rab, power forward from Cal, 6'10", 7'2", wingspan, uh, 215. And I'm much less excited about him this year, um, mainly because the draft is better this year, but also because he didn't really improve all that much. Like, he, he had 12.5 points, 8.5 rebounds last year. This year goes up to 14 points and 10.5 rebounds, but per 40 they're pretty much the same um obviously because he got to play a little bit more as a sophomore as opposed to his freshman year so he's a guy i really liked last year i don't know if i like him as much anymore but i will i i will say he's a guy i would like to mention is there i think he's an interesting guy in the terms of just positionally like is there a point in having a 610 guy who i don't think he at this point he projects you know as obviously a a, a a guy who's going to shoot a lot of NBA threes. He no. barely took threes last year, 66% from the line. Is is there a point to having guys like this anymore if they're not going to play center? I mean, is is, is Probably Ivan, not, no. Yeah, I mean... The, but also, yeah, thought, part of me thinks he could play center. Yeah, see, I thought about this a bit when the Bucks signed Terrence Jones, or actually when Terrence... Really, when Terrence Jones... Or even earlier than that, before Terrence Jones landed in Milwaukee. But I just kind of struggled. I was like, well what's even the point of a guy like Terrence Jones? Like, is there, is that even, is the power forward who doesn't stretch the floor? Man, yeah, that's and, a really good question. And isn't like a dynamic, you know, attack the rim scoring type guy or, or like a super versatile switch everything defender, right? I mean, like Draymond offensively doesn't score a ton, but he's one of the best defenders in the league and he shoots well enough that he keeps defenses honest from three. Um, and again, like I hate bringing Draymond up in these situations. Cause like you said, like there is no other Draymond. Like if your premise of drafting a guy is that he's got some Draymond, <laughs> you probably, just, you probably <laughs> just picked like a guy who's too short to ever matter. And you're just trying to talk yourself into something. But, um, but yeah, I, th- I think it's sort of interesting to, to, to look at these like quote unquote power forward type guys. And I don't know, I, fi- I think it's funny how often draft express still. And I think a lot of times this happens where, They'll, like they have Larry Markinen projected as a as a power forward. It's like, isn't Larry Markinen like over seven feet tall and a great shooter? Like, why the hell would you want like if he's going to be a great player? It's like what we talk about with Thon Maker. Center. Like, yes. yeah, like I don't know if Larry Markinen can defend anyone, but he better figure it out if he wants to be a really good player. Because again, having him, you know, be defended by stretch fours, well, that just neutralizes so much of you know. I think what what is his you know his upside would be. I think. Well, I mean, you, you, you just look to, at like Frank Kaminsky. Be... Like he's not as yeah. good as Laurie Markkinen, and like he survives as an NBA player because he just plays center. Like that's the key. Like playing center where that maximizes the actual skills you have. And again, if you can't defend anyone, that's not great, but at least you're not trying to defend dudes that are going to dribble by you and dudes that are going to shoot a bunch of threes on you. Like if you can be on a center, then you can limit it to only giving up twos every possession instead of giving up a three every possession. Right. The same like Zach Collins, like DX has like as a power forward slash center. It's like Zach Collins is seven feet tall. 
really good in the you know has good feel in the post isn't like at this point like a knockdown three-point perimeter type player he's a center okay like the nba is not gonna yeah. like they're not you know uh, there are very few teams that would consider trotting a guy like that out at playing playing at tons of minutes at power forward so anyway i guess just re- reasserting what we have you know been pounding on people for a long time it, think of the, the 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 biggest position that guy can play that's the position he's probably gonna have to play you know like if it's if he's a something yeah. slash something else if he's going to be good, he probably needs to be the bigger position to, to really kind of reach his potential. But anyway, um, you, got you want one to do more. one more guy just, one to, more. just to mention? Yeah. Um, you know, Justin Patton has been mentioned a number of times in connection to the Bucks. I don't know. I don't know what to think of him. He seems athletic. Um, I'm curious to see sort of what projections look like for him. And then I'll sneak in one other guy, Ike Enubogu, another center who – um, didn't play much for UCLA last year. Also listed as a center. Man, I I really I really wish the Bucks could pick a guy who was not a big guy, but there just seem to be so many damn big guys every year, and <laughs> it just seems like perpetually you know a crowded front court for the Bucks while they struggle to to add shooting and and guard depth. So I throw out those names not because I desperately want them, but because I'm almost resigned to the fact that the best guy that you know has the most upside will be some another big guy that you know crowds the the front court which um i don't know we'll see maybe i'll be proven wrong i don't want the bucks to you know draft just based on need and and reach for some guy who's not good um but uh i I don't know i'm this is this is part of my process here I'm, i'm trying to i'm trying to come up with reasons to like some of these cards yeah and and i think the interesting thing last year was when they drafted Thon, the big thing they talked about was shooting. And uh, I, I'm trying to think who I think I mentioned it to Benning or Mitchell Maurer over at Brew Hoop, but I said that just because the Bucks are targeting shooters, or just because the Bucks are targeting shooting, doesn't necessarily mean they're targeting shooters. Where you think, like, oh, Luke Kennard, that's a shooter. And, like, that's how that person is defined. Like, I think they, if if they have their choice and if they think all these guys are on a level, like they'll probably go to the big guy that shoots the best or um, they'll find a guy that they think has enough enough athleticism but can actually shoot the ball. Like I think that's probably maybe a bit of a tiebreaker, if that makes sense, because no matter what, it it seems like John Hammond is going to take a a lanky guy that's athletic and has a whole bunch of upside. Um, So, Hopefully that guy also has some upside as a shooter, um, but we will see. So um, I think we're gonna we'll save another topic for another day. I, I think us trying to talk ourselves into players at seventeen uh, filled up this podcast and hopefully gets people excited for the combine, which will be on Thursday and Friday, and gets people in that mind frame of thinking about draft prospects, thinking about who the Bucks might draft, and thinking about just i guess probably trying to convince yourself that you like someone at 17 because isn't isn't that what you do every year like wherever the bucks are picking you're going to convince yourself that x player is a great pick for the bucks well and this is i'd be curious to know what i have like a lot of thoughts on on the the combine and the way it's covered and the way we sort of used to i mean we were just talking about sort of some of the quirks about the way people talk about positions um, I mean, one thing I find funny is is the people who freak out about like 
guys who have great verticals every year. And it's, it's especially true because a lot of times it's like really short guys who have like these incredible verticals, which isn't surprising. You know, like a guy who's like 5'11 and super athletic, like, you know, a lot of times they have really high verticals and they kind of need to be super athletic to even, you know, hack it basically um, in, in sort of high level basketball. But it always kills me. Like Shane Larkin's a great example. I think Shane Larkin had like a, he had a 40 something inch vertical. Yeah. And it's like, I remember Shane Larkin was in the discussion when the Bucks picked Giannis that year. Yep. And it's like, you could talk yourself into Shane Larkin being the super athletic guy, but then it's like, wait, go find me video of like Shane Larkin, like dunking, you know, it's like, no, he's, or just using that, or, like that like, skill, no matter what it is, right. like no matter how well this person tests out on a certain skill in the combine, show me him using that skill functionally. Like that's really right. what matters. Right. And, and I think the, the combine is one of the things where like, whether it's vertical or like, you know, lean agility, or all this stuff. If a guy, if, if a guy's numbers shock you, then don't put too much stock into them. Like when Doug McDermott, <laughs> when Doug yeah, McDermott puts really up like a 36 or 37 inch vertical and a great lane agility, I don't know if he'd had a great lane agility, but I think he did have like a pretty, you know, high vertical number. Um, don't then take that and say like, Oh, he's athletic. Now Doug McDermott's going to come to the NBA and like, despite the fact that he didn't dunk on people in college, Oh, at the, at a higher level of basketball, <laughs> he's going to start dunking on people. That, that's not how it works. You know, I mean, I think Kevin Love had like a 35, 36 inch vertical in, in, at the combine as well. And, you know, it's one of these deals. Like, there are ways to sort of, you know, basically practice for the for these things. And, um, you know, there's a big difference. I mean, we talked about Thon Maker as well, too. And Thon's obviously, I mean, I would say Thon's an athletic guy, right? Especially yeah. for his size. But, you know, the difference between having, you know, sort of those like quick twitch, second jump, get off the floor quick type hops. And having combine hops, which Thon definitely had. I think he had a 36-inch max vert at the combine. But how many times did Thon look like he could barely get off the floor when he had to do a quick jump, right? I mean, yep. there's there's so much nuance to combine athleticism from combine athleticism to sort of that functional, practical athleticism. And, and you know, I think Giannis is a good example of a guy who has gotten more athletic. And obviously, he wasn't at a combine. We don't have numbers for him from his rookie combine because he wasn't there. But... Um, Guys can get more athletic too, right? So, so that's another kind of variable that you have to kind of bake in. But anyway, I I always hesitate to put too much into the combine numbers. Although I will say this, I do think the measurements are interesting, and you know, probably height is usually overrated. Um, but I'd say standing reach, wingspan, I think those things are are always interesting because they do, um, you know, again, give me especially you know big guys. Give me a guy who's long over a guy who's who's athletic, um, you know, all things being equal, kind of every day of the week. Because if I can get as high as you can, and all I have to do is put my arm up, that 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 beats you know having to having to go through the effort of jumping. And and I just think back to Larry Sanders. I think Larry Sanders had a sub thirty inch vertical, but he was just long as hell, right? Um, yeah. And so I think that's I think that's always interesting to look at with some of these guys. And it seems like there are more guys this year than usual that seem like almost like weirdly not long um like john collins who we didn't mention i know you've talked about him in the past put up monster numbers at at uh, wake if all you did was look at his numbers you'd be like this dude's gonna be awesome those arms but, but he has like a six eight he's six ten with a six eight wingspan it's like what 
how's that possible for an NBA caliber player? I um, think the last time we talked about it, though, someone told me that the six eight arm measurement was done two years ago at Hoop Summit. Oh yeah, I'm looking at it. He was he was six seven in two, 2013. There you go. He he measured without shoes six seven. His wingspan was six eight. Okay, so yeah, that's what they're doing. They're using his like list listed college height of six eight and an old wingspan. So he's probably not super long. Um, he doesn't. And but because the other the weird thing is that he blocked 1.6 shots per game last year. So it's like you know. If he's an alligator arm T-Rex dude blocking 1.6 shots a game, that would be very weird. But anyway, you, you solved it. We fixed it. But <laughs> either way, um, we'll see if, if the Luke Kennards and, and others of, uh, of this draft can, can maybe, uh, I don't know, dislocate their shoulders for the purposes of getting some, some longer wingspans here. <laughs> yes, that'll be it. Uh, did, I'm trying to think. I swear I read like an article about... Uh, NFL quarterbacks in hand size is like a big thing. And they talked about how quarterbacks started going to, I don't even know, chiropractors or like massage therapists or something. And they could work out their hand the right way and do the right things that they could get like an extra inch on their like hand size. And there's a lot of people like when they draft quarterbacks that think that's hugely important like you have to have hands a certain size because it allows you to grip the ball right way and have better ball security and really huck and chuck that football around uh and i like i read that i was like that's insane but like you like you said before there's so many things that in a combine setting you can test like two you can get yourself in a mode that you get very good at these drills and again it's all about that functionality and kind of taking a deeper look at these players but yeah it's that time of the year where we start projecting our thoughts and feelings and emotions onto young players and the needs of the team that we all cheer for so um yeah let's get a little uncomfortable this is gonna be fun uh it's an it's nba draft time and we'll we'll see what we find out uh, that's going to be it for us for Lockdown Bucks for uh, today and I think for this week. Um, we'll be back again. And like we said, the easiest way to make sure you get all of these is subscribe. Like If you subscribe, and there's a ton of different ways to subscribe. There's a ton of different ways that people consume podcasts. So I would say just subscribe and then that way you don't miss on Twitter because like, like we said, we're probably going to – for the summer, it's probably going to be two or three times a week rather than five days a week. Um, and if you don't want to miss those days because you didn't happen to see our Twitter feed that day, it got buried somehow, Like, just subscribe. It'll all be there, and that just kind of makes things easier. Um, so that would be my, my PSA for today. Just, just subscribe, and that makes things easier um, for you to make sure you don't miss an episode of Lockdown Bucks because you would never want to do that. And... You would never want to make your first SeatGeek purchase without using the promo code L-O-B-U-C-K-S. Again, L-O-Bucks gets you a $20 rebate on your first SeatGeek purchase. That's going to be it for us for today on Lockdown Bucks. Thanks for listening. We will talk to you next week.